0: Welcome to the teaching ministry of Calvary, Fort St. Lucie. Let's join Lead Pastor Mike Wiggins with the message, Transformation. All right, well, if you're not familiar with the letters of the Apostle Paul, then you need to know that for most of his letters, he usually followed a certain structure as he penned these letters or dictated them to, uh, to someone to pen, okay? And so this is how it usually went with all the letters in your New Testament from Paul to whatever church. Normally, in the first half of the letter, he would focus on doctrine, but in the second half of the letter, he would focus on duty. Usually, the first half of his letters, he'd focus on principles, and then in the second half of his letter... He would focus on practice, first half belief, second half behavior, first half faith, second half fruit, okay? And so as Paul penned 2,000 years ago, this letter to the church at Rome, he followed the same pattern. And so if you're taking notes, you don't have to write all this down, this is just for your information, but we're in chapter 12 today. And so today we're changing course, we're turning uh, to a, the second half of the book. I understand there's 16 chapters, and technically eight chapters is half the book, but no, Paul actually um, is making the second half of his letter chapters 12 through 16. And so in chapters 1 through 11, if you haven't been with us, all these messages are online, um, podcasts, they're available through podcast. we studied all of it, verse by verse, and so in chapters 1 through 11, we saw that it was all about doctrine, about principles, about belief, about faith. And now Paul turns the corner in the second half of his, his, of his epistle, and now it's all about duty. It's all about practice. It's all about behavior, and it's all about fruit. The title of my message today is Transformation. And you may wonder why, Pastor, did you call... message by that title. Well, here's why. If we truly want to experience a transformation in our life, then we've got to go from doctrine to duty. If we truly want to experience a transformation in our life, we got to go from principles to practice, from belief to behavior, from faith to fruit. In other words, the Word of God has got to go from our head to our heart to our feet. If you really want to be transformed, you got to live it out. So Jesus once told a parable about two builders. He talked about a wise builder, and he talked about a foolish builder. He said in Matthew chapter 7 that the wise builder built his house upon a rock, but the foolish builder built his house upon the sand. So after the construction was completed on both houses, you remember what happened. A really bad storm came. It was severe. We used to sing about it in Sunday school. The rains came down, the floods came up, the winds blew and beat against both houses. Okay, so what happened to the house that was built on the rock? Well, there you go. That's what happened. Storm is over, it's still standing, it survives. But what happened to the house that was built on the sand? A total collapse. Jesus said, great was the fall of this home. Now, I don't think Jesus was talking about houses. I think he was talking about lives. And so what's the moral of the story? The moral of the story is if you and I are ever going to survive the storms of life, we got to choose the right foundation. If you and I are ever, listen, if you and I are ever going to survive the the, the storms of life, we got to build our house on the rock. You say, who's the rock? It's not Dwayne Johnson. (laughs) The rock is Jesus Christ, the son of the living God. Jesus said, blessed are you, Peter, son of John, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my father in heaven What did the Father in heaven reveal to Peter? His confession, his statement of faith. You're the Christ. You're the Son of the living God. It's what separates true religion from false religion, by the way. What do you believe about Jesus, and what are you doing about it? And so, have you ever been watching TV, maybe one of your favorite programs, and all of a sudden your favorite show is interrupted by a severe weather bulletin? You live in Florida. You know all about this, right? And so there you are watching your favorite show, and the screen goes black, and you hear this hideous sound, right? You're thinking, what's going on here? And then a voice comes on, and it says something like this. The National Weather Service has issued a severe weather warning for your local area. Okay, so this morning here at Calvary PSL, allow me to be your severe weather bulletin this morning. Okay, you ready for this? Listen to the sound. Uh, beep. Pastor Mike is issuing a severe weather warning for your life. What's the severe weather bulletin, Pastor? Here it is. Storms are coming to your life. It's been said you're either going through a storm right now, you're heading out of a storm, or you're going into a storm. You're about to get hit. Welcome to Calvary. We're so glad you came today. I just wanted to make you feel good about that, right? I just want to be real with you. I just want you to be real with me. Hey, storms are coming. They're all about, storm. life is all about storms. Question, what's going to determine whether you survive the storm? Answer, how strong is your foundation? Who are you building your life on? I hope you're building your life on the rock of Jesus Christ. And you might say, well, how? Right, I hear about this Jesus stuff all the time. Help me out, Pastor. How do I build my house, my life, on the rock of Jesus Christ? Well, here's how not to, okay? Let's start with that. You don't build your house, your life, on the rock of Jesus Christ by just hearing his words at church. Hmm. See, a lot of people are about churchianity. They don't know anything about Christianity. So let me say it again. How do I not build my life on the rock of Jesus Christ? You don't build your life on Jesus Christ by just coming to church and hearing his words. Jesus talked about that in his parable. Look at what he said about the wise man in Matthew 7, 24. Whoever, what's the word? Hears. Hears. Okay, so that's important. I'm glad you're here at church hearing the word. But it doesn't end there. Whoever hears these sayings of mine and, what's the next two words? Does them. Now it's going from your head to your heart to your feet. Transformation is taking place now. Whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, I will liken him to a wise man who built his house on the rock. If you want to be wise, you got to have the right foundation. But what does Jesus say about the foolish man In Matthew 7, 26, everyone who, what's the word? These sayings of mine and, now what's the four words? Help me out. You see it? He heard it, but he does not do them. I will liken him to a foolish man who built his house on the sand. Both men heard the words of Jesus Both guys came to church. They sat in a row. They heard it, they heard it, they heard it. But Jesus called one person wise and the other person foolish. And so what's the point? Very important if you're taking notes. Both men heard the words of Jesus, but only the wise man put his words into practice. It's gotta go from our head to our hearts, to our feet, if we're gonna survive the storms of life. You say, well, what does that have to do with Romans? Everything, okay? We have studied for months chapters one through 11, and we learned all about the great doctrines of Christianity, okay? Now it's time to turn the corner in chapters 12 through 16. Now it's time to apply the rest of the book. In chapters one through 11, we heard all about doctrine. Now in chapters 12 through 16, it's all about our duty. And if we're gonna be wise, and if we're gonna actually survive the storms of life, we have got to go from doctrine to duty. And so, turning the corner, chapter 12, we finally made it. It's gonna become intensely practical as we make our way. I don't know how long it's gonna take over these next five chapters. Some people joke around with me about how long it takes me to get through a book of the Bible. My answer is, what's your hurry? And so today, we're going to get through two whole verses today, some of the most famous verses in the entire Bible. I beseech or exhort you, therefore, what's the word? Brethren. Very important you get that, okay? Every word is there for a purpose. He calls them brethren. So who's he talking to, Christians or non-Christians? Okay, I got about a third of you. Let's try this again. He called them brethren. Inference or sisters, brothers or sisters? Is he talking to Christians or non-Christians? Go ahead. Christians. Christians. Okay, so he's not talking about how to get saved. He already talked about how to get saved in the first half of the letter. Romans 5 verse 1, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Salvation has nothing to do with what we do. It has everything to do with what has already been done by Jesus. Okay, so this is, for Christians, this is the next step. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God. That's what chapters 1 through 11 were all about. The great doctrines of the Christian faith showing how merciful God has been in our lives. And so by the mercies of God that you present your, please circle the word, bodies. Bodies. A living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. Verse 2. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your, please circle the word, mind. Mind. That you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect, please underline, or please circle the words, will of God. God, the words will of God. Okay? Those two verses are packed. In fact, I could go for hours and hours and hours. But I only got so much time. So we're gonna start at the top work our way down. Look at verse one. I exhort or beseech you, therefore, therefore, okay, you've heard it a hundred times from me. Whenever you see the word therefore, you have to ask yourself: what is it therefore? Okay, so the word therefore is therefore to join what Paul is about to say in verses 1 and 2 with what he previously said in the letter. What did he previously say? Well, to find that out, we got to go back to chapter 11, verse 36. Okay, when he wrote the letter, there were no chapter divisions or verses when he first wrote the letter. It was just a letter. We added that later so we could look this stuff up. Okay, and so he wants to join what he previously said with what he's gonna say. What did he previously say? Verse 36, speaking about God. For of him and through him and to him are all things to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. And so speaking about God, Paul says, For of him, of him, that means God is the creator. There is no evolution. He's the creator. For of him and through him, he's the sustainer. And to him, his glory is the goal of our lives. Therefore, now, we must respond. What Paul is saying is that because of God Because of who God is, he's the creator and sustainer. And, listen, because of what he's done, what has he done? Verse 1, by the mercies or because of the mercies of God, he saves you by grace. So, because of who God is, he's the creator and sustainer. Because of what he's done, he's shown us incredible mercy. Therefore, what should we do? We got to respond. Here's what we do. If you're taking notes, here's your first big point. We should surrender our bodies. Three big points today. Point number one, we should surrender our bodies. Did you see it? I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your, I had you circle it, your Bodies, a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. In other words, this is the only logical thing to do. This is the only sensible thing to do. In fact, if you're a blood-bought child of God and you do not surrender your body to God, that is illogical, that is not sensible. It's perverted. The only reasonable, logical, sensible thing to do in light of God's mercies is to surrender our bodies to him. And so we live in these bodies. These, I like to call them spacesuits that are temporary. These temporary shells that we live in, these temporary shells that house the real us inside. And have you noticed, or is it just me, that our bodies are wearing out? One verse that becomes more real to me with each passing year is 1 I'm sorry, 2 Corinthians chapter 4 is verse 16. I'll just quote it to you. 2 Corinthians 4, 16. Paul says, outwardly we are wearing out, but inwardly we are being renewed day by day. Okay? And so again, that verse becomes more real to me every year as I get older, and that is that outwardly I am wearing out. My eyes are wearing out. That's why I gotta wear these big glasses so I could see all your smiling faces every Sunday morning. My hearing's wearing out. And that's why my wife has to repeat herself in the last year so often. And she'll say something and I'll say, honey, you're mumbling again. And she'll say, I'm not mumbling. You need to get your hearing checked. And so you know what's, become, what's happened in, my, in, in our lives? We become our parents, exactly what our parents, when I was a kid, my parents used to say the same thing. I'm there now with my wife. Stop mumbling. Get your hearing checked. back and forth. My, my eyes are wearing out. My, my ears are wearing out. My speed and my stamina is wearing out. We went to Montana, as you guys know, back in June for a mission trip to help Pastor Dave Carroll uh, with Elevation Church. He went from this church to plant that church, and so we took a team for a week or so, maybe longer, uh, to just go help, and we'd work hard all day, but then in the evenings, we'd have a picnic, or we'd get together in somebody's backyard, and we'd fellowship, and so one evening, we went to a park, and we had a full-on football game, and I found out, I was reminded once again that my speed and my stamina is wearing out. And I watched as we were playing football, uh, somebody on my team, uh, he's a son of an elder here at Calvary. His name is Jake Rosendahl. He's 16 years old. And I saw that kid flying by people and juking people. And I was just like, that used to be me. (laughs) Oh, man, I remember those days. I remember coming home from football games, tackle, we didn't wear pads. We was one out there and we played and I literally take my shirt off and i had hand marks all over my body. That was oh Jake, look at him. That was me. And I remember running for hours and hours on a soccer field, not even feeling tired. But that's gone now. And not only that, I can't even jump. There's another guy that was playing football with us. His name is Josh Kaprowski. Is Josh here? He's not Josh's third service? Okay. Josh, if you don't know Josh, he's six foot seven. He's so tall, and he went out for a a touchdown pass, and I'm on the defense, and I'm looking at this, and it was a bomb, a Hail Mary, and there it is, and there's Josh, six foot seven, running, and he jumps up and extends his six foot seven body, and we're all, everybody on both teams just watching him. He's going up. We all thought the rapture was taking place. Got it. Touchdown. Game over. I can't run like Jake. I can't jump like Josh. Why? Because Paul said in 2 Corinthians 4.16, hourly, we're wearing out. And for the first time in my life, I went to Walmart. And I bought multivitamins that say, for men 50 and older. I did it. I got it. I don't even turn 50 till later on this year. Just for fun this week, and by the way, I love being your pastor. I love preparing for these messages. Thank you for allowing me to do what I do, by the way. I just enjoy it. So we'll get back to the Bible in a second, but I I I Googled signs of getting older. Here's what I found from a few articles. You know you're getting older when you can't find your reading glasses because they're on top of your head. You know you're getting older when you hear your favorite song in an elevator. Hey, Barry Manilow, right? Some of you who are thinking, who's Barry Manilow? Don't worry about it. You know you're getting older when you watch the Weather Channel. Not because there's a storm hitting Florida, by the way. You know you're getting older when you uh, quit trying to hold your stomach in. You guys remember this, right? Whenever you take the picture, a group picture, and there you are, and you're like. Right? Now now you get to the age where it's just like, uh, I don't even want to be in this picture. I love this one. You got to think about this one. You know you're getting older when your secrets are safe with your friends because they can't remember them either. (laughs) You know you're getting older when you have to get up at least... I added this. I didn't get this off of Google. You know you're getting older when you have to get up at least once a night to use the restroom. It's starting to become twice a night. And then finally you know you're getting older when you get excited about the early bird special at the Golden Corral. (laughs) Come on, honey. Four o'clock. We got to get there. All right. So bad news. We're all wearing out. Bad news. We're aging, right? We're all in the process of dying. Thank you, Adam and Eve. All right. But the good news Is that because of what Jesus Christ did, we're going to get brand new resurrected bodies someday that will never die. Never die, never get sick, never grow old, never age. And I can't imagine how awesome I'm going to be on the football field when that happens. And so even though our bodies are wearing out, the Lord still wants you to present and give your body to him. Did you see that in verse one? I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you, here it is, present, give your bodies a living sacrifice, holy. Everybody say, holy. Holy. By the way, we are about holiness in this church. And I make no excuse for that at all. Holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable, logical, sensible, service, okay? And so present your body as a holy and living sacrifice, holy, okay? So here's how it works. In our before Christ BC days, right, a lot of people, what do they do? They give their bodies over to sinful practices, perverted practices. Some are worse than others, okay? But that's just what happens when you don't know Christ, But then, thank God for his mercy. And by the way, he loved you before you loved him. He came looking for you before you ever went looking for him. So thank God, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And so he sent his spirit to woo and draw. And one day, through repentance and faith, you met Jesus Christ. When I talk about repentance, I'm talking about a change of mind. Okay, I was going in this direction, living for myself. I heard the gospel. I received Jesus By grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. And he did a work, and now I'm I'm going in this direction. That's what you call repentance. And so when that happened, at the moment you put your faith in Jesus, the Holy Spirit came inside of you. Jesus went up, the Holy Spirit came down. And notice his name is the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit. Okay, so if any man is in Christ, he's a new creation. And so we are to be holy as he is holy. It's amazing to think that your body, my body, is the temple of God, the temple of the Holy Spirit. And so we got to be holy like he's holy. By the way, that'll never happen by keeping a list of do's and don'ts. It'll happen as we submit to the Spirit inside of us and have a relationship with him. And so we got to be holy. We must be holy, and the way that we become holy, one of the ways is we surrender our bodies to him. We surrender every part of our bodies to him. And so it looks something like this. We surrender our eyes to the Lord. I love Job. Job went through hell, and yet Job remained faithful to the Lord. I mean, You think you got problems? Read Job. <laughs> and yet, he didn't backslide, you know, he wasn't perfect. Of course, he was still a sinner, but he didn't get mad at God. I can't believe you did this to me. Well, he didn't do that. In fact, one of the verses in there says, Though he slay me, I will trust him. And so, what I love about Job, he was a man of character, a man of integrity. He said, I, in Job 31 1, I have made a covenant with my eyes not to look lustfully at a woman. By the way, that's the oldest book in the Bible. And so the oldest book in the Bible, the man of God setting the example says, I'm not gonna look lustfully at a woman. I remember a long time ago, a friend of mine uh, was talking about how guys have to be careful about looking at women with lust. And so he came up with a thing called, the second look is sin. And so, you know, God makes beautiful people, the first look, people are attractive, there's nothing wrong with that. But he, he said, the second look, that's sinful. And so he said, Mike, here's what I do. Because the second look is sin, I make the first look as long as possible. (laughs) I'm like, that's not right, okay? You're not right. You're not right. And by the way, just in case you're struggling with this, God makes handsome men and beautiful women. People are attractive. There's nothing wrong with admiring God's beauty. The problem is when you Lust, that word means desire. That means that you begin to think thoughts of you with that person. You begin to look at things, parts of their body you have no right, no business looking at. Job was a man of integrity. He said, I made a covenant with my eyes. I'm not gonna look lustfully at a woman, period. Keep my eyes straight ahead. The only person I'm gonna give that liberty to is my wife. Why? Because a true man And a true woman of character, it's not about what they do primarily on the outside, it's about who they are on the inside. It's not primarily about what they do in public, it's what they do in private. And so our prayer is, Lord, my eyes belong to you, help me to only look at things that will help me and not hurt me. So think about that, guys, before you click on that website. God wants to deliver you from that that sin. I was going to use another word, but it's not appropriate for church. And so I thank God for the the, the ability to have self-control up here. We must surrender our eyes. We must surrender our ears. God said to Isaiah, in Isaiah chapter 31, verse 21, whether you turn to the right or to the left, your ears will hear a voice behind you saying, This is the way, walk in it. And so God, my eyes belong to you. I surrender my eyes. My ears belong to you. I surrender my ears. Help me to have ears to hear your voice, Holy Spirit, when you're leading me throughout life. My eyes belong to you. My ears belong to you. My tongue belongs to you. 1 Thessalonians chapter five, verse 11 says this, encourage one another and build each other up. Okay, and so in the last week, how many of you guys have used your tongue to tear people down? Just in the last week, how many of you guys or ladies have used your tongue to criticize people or to hurt people? It ought not be so. And so you gotta surrender your tongue to the Lord and say, Lord, not just my eyes or my ears, my tongue is yours, so help me to use my tongue only to build people up and not tear them down. We gotta surrender our hands And follow the example of Jesus, who in John 13, you've heard it and heard it and heard it, right? He got up. They're all arguing about who's the greatest, right? Me, just sticking their chest out. Jesus goes over and grabs a basin, girds himself with a towel. He kneels down, and he begins to wash their feet, the lowliest job in that culture. He served them with his hands. And so God, our prayer is, Lord, use these hands so I can serve you by serving other people. We have to surrender our feet. Galatians 5.16, walk in the spirit and you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. And so, Lord, these feet are yours. Help my feet to only take me places where your spirit leads me. You guys get what I'm saying. And so surrender your body to the Lord because here's the thing. If you've received Jesus as your savior, the Holy Spirit of God lives inside of you. And now, okay, he's forgiven you all your sins, okay? Okay. We've already taken care of that in the first part of the letter. Now we're changing, and now he's saying it's all about surrender. It's all about consecration, Christian. you got to surrender your body. Here's why. Because I want to live through you. I've come inside of you, but now I want to live through you. And the only way I can live through you is if you surrender your body to me. Paul put it this way in Galatians 2.20. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but, help me out with the rest of the verse. Christ lives in me. Paul was so cognizant of the presence of God inside of him. How aware are you of the presence of God Almighty in your heart? Is it just an awareness whenever you decide to have your devotions? Or are you aware 24-7 that God, the Holy Spirit, lives inside of me? You see, the Lord wants us to be so aware of his presence that it changes how we see, how we hear, what we say, how we serve, where we go. It changes everything. That's the difference between a convert and a lifelong follower of Jesus Christ. It's all about surrender. Okay. So in light of who God is, he's the creator and sustainer. Verse 36 in light of what he's done he showed us incredible mercies everything above hell is grace i must respond how i surrender my body number 2 big point i surrender my mind i had you circle it and do not be conformed to this world but be transformed by the renewing of your what your mind the renewing of your mind And so before Paul told us to be transformed by the renewing of our mind, he said this phrase. Okay, so if you're with me here, just say amen. I want to make sure everybody's here. If you're watching right now online, just say amen in your living room or in your car. All right? I want to make sure everyone hears this. Before Paul said, uh, be transformed by the renewing of your mind, we'll get there in a minute, he said this. And boy, does this need to be preached more in pulpits in America. He says, do not... Be conformed to this world. Don't be conformed to this world. What did he mean by the, by, by the word world? He didn't mean the physical earth, right? I went for a prayer walk yesterday in one of the most beautiful parts of poor St. Lucie, and I'm walking around. I'm just amazed with God's creation. So I always try to start with an attitude of gratitude as I spend time with the Lord. And so I'm thanking him for the sky and the clouds and the sun, right, the trees and the birds and the flowers and the grass and and all these beautiful gifts that he's given to us. And so before I get into a prayer list, I always try to just enter into his gates with thanksgiving, his courts with praise. And so, man, God's a beautiful creator. And if this world, by the way, which has fallen, is this beautiful now, what's it going to be like when Jesus comes back and makes all things new, right? Okay, and so, What does Paul mean by the word world, not the physical earth? If you're taking notes, here's what he means. The word world, anywhere in the New Testament, is speaking about fallen humanity, what unredeemed people value, and how they think, speak, and act. That's the world. And I was going to go into this big, long teaching on what is the world and bring in spiritual forces of darkness and our fallen nature, and I thought, this is getting way too long, and by the way, everybody knows what I mean by world, or what Paul meant by world, because you live in the world. You live around fallen human beings every day of your life. You know what they value. You know how they think, how they speak, and how they act, so I don't need to elaborate on that. Paul says, don't be conformed to the way they live, be different. I love the way J.B. Phillips translated this verse. He said, Don't let the world around you squeeze you into its own mold. Isn't that good? Why are you allowing the world to shape you? Now, what's the, the mold of the world? Well, part of it is the, what I call the me mold, M E mold right? Because an unredeemed person who doesn't care about God, doesn't care about his eternal son, Jesus Christ, rejected Christ. I don't need that, right? Okay. They value certain things and speak and act in a certain way. And so Paul says, I don't want you to be squeezed into that me mold. What's the me mold? It's the, the idea that I'm the center of the universe and everything revolves around me. I am always on my mind. Every decision I make has to do with how I feel. How is this going to impact me? Most of the relationships I have, my motive that I don't allow to be shown, my hidden motive is, what can I get out of this relationship? You see, that is the me mold, and Paul says, don't be squeezed into the me mold. Ladies and gentlemen, I say it almost every week, but here's the truth. Pardon the bad English. Life ain't about you, life's about Jesus Christ, the Son of the living God. He's the center, and everything revolves around him. That's the truth. But what's so sad to me is that in more and more pulpits of America, you're the center. The person is the center. What are we doing? Why have we got so, here's why. Because pastors have stopped teaching the word. And because they've stopped teaching the word, what they're doing is they're teaching their own thing. In order to get more people to come, you've got to make it all about that person. And it's not Right? And so, hey, sometimes what we do is we, we actually make the church revolve around the person. Okay, so make sure they have a beautiful experience in the parking lot, right? And then when they come in, make sure you smile real big, right? And I, I think all that's great, but, but what are we doing? Making that our, our primary motive, what we mainly think about on Sunday morning? You know, make sure they, they uh, you don't hassle them when they sit down, and make sure the AC is not too hot, not too cold. Make sure they have a nice, comfortable place to sit in. Make sure the worship songs are, are, are just right, not too much. Make sure the sermon's not too long. I got a football game. I got to watch this afternoon. And God goes, "Bah!" <laughs> That's what he did, the seventh church. Revelation chapters 2 and 3, the seven letters to the seven church, the last church, the church of the end days, the church of Laodicea. He said, I'm going to spew you out of my mouth. Why? Because they allowed themselves to be conformed to the me mold of the world. It's not about me. It's not about you. It's about Jesus Christ. He's God. We're not. He's eternal. We're temporal. He's the boss. We're not. And so how do you go from a self-centered life to a Christ-centered life? He told us in verse two. He says, don't be conformed to this world, that's self-centeredness, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Here's your next point. We gotta allow God's word, or allowing God's word to renew our minds will transform us from spiritual babes to spiritual adults. Okay, so, so... Here's what we're trying to do in the sanctification process, right? We're trying to grow up. And so there needs to be growth from a spiritual babe, self-centered, to a spiritual adult, which is Christ-centered, okay? It's the same thing in the physical realm. I'll try to illustrate it like this. Um, Sorry, it's the best I could do, okay? And so there you have Sally. Let's say her name is Sally. And Sally is this cute little baby. But you know, in, in a baby's world, it's all about that baby. And so there needs to be a transformation. So what happened in Sally's life? Well, she grew up. Isn't that amazing? How did she grow up physically? She made sure as she got older, or her parents did at least, that she ate certain food and drank certain drinks, and the the natural response physically was there was a physical transformation. What's true in the physical realm is true in the spiritual realm. Check out what Peter says. In 1 Peter 2.2, as newborn babies desire, here it is, the pure milk of the word. Why? Why should we desire it? Why should we long for it? That you can grow up so I can grow up. That's why. And so he said, desire the pure milk of the word. I love milk. I've always loved milk. My dad used to drink milk every night before he went to bed. he just grabbed the gallon, forget about it, a cup, who needs a cup? he just chug it right out of the milk carton and go to bed, right? And so I think I got some of that from him because I love milk. And so most afternoons for lunch, my lunch is a shake. And so I'll take two cups of milk and two cups of frozen fruit, and two scoops of protein, and I'll blend that thing up. And I can't tell you how, you, some of you know, because you do this, how good that tastes, Now, when I want to cheat on my calories, what do I do? I sneak into the kitchen, and I get a peanut butter and jelly sandwich with a tall glass of milk, ice-cold milk. Why? Because milk, it does the body good. That's why. And so just like milk causes there to be a physical transformation, so the milk of the word causes there to be a spiritual transformation, Just like milk brings physical nourishment to our bodies, so the milk of the word brings spiritual nourishment to your soul. And notice it says, desire it, long for it. Have you guys ever been so hungry your stomach growls? You ever experienced that? Happens to me almost every single Tuesday when I'm in pastor's meeting. It growls so loud. I used to, when I first started, I I used to get embarrassed about it. Now Pastor Will sits next to me, he hears it. Every, every Tuesday, and so I'm like, you know, what's going on here? Why? Why is my stomach growling? Because I'm hungry, okay? And so Peter says, desire, long for the pure milk of the word. What does that mean? That as much as our stomach hungers and growls for food when it's hungry, so our souls need to come to the place where they growl for the word of God, Do you desire, do you long for, do you want the word of God? Is that really something that you desire? Now, be real about it. Answer that. Be honest before. It's just you and the Lord in your heart. Do you desire God's word or not? If not, ask him to give you that hunger. Why? Because if you keep drinking God's word, you will be transformed from a spiritual babe, little Sally, to a spiritual adult from a self-centered person to a Christ-centered person. It only happens if you drink your milk. Are you drinking your milk? I'm, I, I'm finishing up um, getting through the entire Bible with the Ryrie Study Bible. I've promoted this study bible to you before i wouldn't promote it unless i trusted the guy and i'm almost done i'm in revelation and so i here's what i do every morning i read god's word that's the most important thing but then on the bottom half of the page is the commentary and by the way the top is inspired the bottom no it's not but i trust this guy and I, 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 he just went home to be with the Lord. And so I'm almost done with this study Bible, getting through the whole Bible, reading God's word and his notes on it. And, and it's helped me. But I'm really excited because I'm getting ready to start going through the Bible again. And so I just bought the Transformation Study Bible by Dr. Warren Wearsby. And so, man, this is going to be good. I, I'm so excited about it because Dr. Wearsby is known not just for theology but practical Christian living. And so I got this thing, the New Living Translation. I always preach out of the the, the New King James, but for my devotions, I I, I change from different versions. And so I got the New Living Translation in updated English. And I'm, I'm excited about going through the word of God again. And I have a plan that always mixes, listen, mixes the Old Testament with the New Testament. So I get both old and new every single morning. And so are you drinking your milk? Another way that you can grow in the word, I know you've heard it and heard it and heard it, join a life group. Why? What do you do in life groups? We continue steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine. That's the word of God. Fellowship, that's making friends. The breaking of bread, sometimes we'll have communion in life groups. And prayer, we pray for one another and minister to one another. And so join a life group so that you can move on in your Christian walk. And so in light of who God is, he's the creator and sustainer. In light of what he's done, he's given us so much mercy. And in light, I mean, so, so, so how should we respond to that? We, we surrender our bodies, we surrender our minds, and then third big point, last point today, and that is we surrender our wills. you guys remember Christianity 101, how Jesus taught us to pray? You guys know this, right? Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, and then what's the next phrase? Yeah, your will be done. So Christ taught us how to pray. But did you know that Christ didn't just talk the talk, he walked the walk? And so not only did he teach us, he showed us in the Garden of Gethsemane, and so as he's kneeling down, sweating great drops of blood, Because he knows, listen, some of you who are new to church, you got to hear this. He's about to take the sin of all humanity into his body on the tree. He's about to drink the cup of God's wrath against our sins. He was sinless. He was a spotless lamb of God, but that's how much he loves you. He's about to do that. And quite frankly, he didn't want to. What we forget is that Jesus was 100% God, 100% human. He never sinned once. But in the Garden of Gethsemane, this is what he said in prayer. Father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, here it is, not as I will, but as you will. When faced with something he didn't want to do, what did Jesus do? He showed us an example. He surrendered his will to the Father's will. What is God calling you to do? Maybe it's something you don't want to do. What should you do? You've got to stop fighting God, and you've got to just surrender your will to his will. Who sits on the throne of your heart? You see, what's sad is that most hearts look like this. The S stands for self, and so the self-centered person sits on the throne of their own heart. And they have not submitted their will to God. In fact, their prayer, if they do pray, is, My kingdom come, my will be done. Where's Jesus? Um, Down there somewhere. How many of you guys think Jesus belongs there? And so, what's the transformation that needs to take place? This is how our hearts should look. Listen, I beseech you, therefore, brethren. He's talking to Christians. Give Jesus the throne of your heart and then submit to him. That person is not perfect, but that person has learned in life to submit their will to the will of Jesus Christ. So I'm gonna ask you right now to do not bow your heads and do not close your eyes. But here's what I'm gonna ask you to do. If you're here today and you're a Christian, that means you've received Jesus Christ as your Savior and Lord. The question is, have you surrendered your body? Have you surrendered your mind? And have you surrendered your will to the Lord Jesus Christ? That's what Paul says is your next step. But maybe you haven't done that. And so with everyone looking, if you as a Christian would like to surrender your entire being to the Lord Jesus Christ, I'm going to ask you to get up out of your seat, walk right down here, and we're going to have a word of prayer today. I know you know who you are who needs to surrender. If someone needs to scoot out of the way, just be polite, say, please scoot out of the way. Just come right here right now. Listen, all over the room, church family, let's encourage these people. This takes a lot of guts to get up out of your seat and do this. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Awesome. Awesome. This is the next step. Listen. Listen, I'm so happy that so many of you, and if not all of you, have received Jesus as your Savior and Lord. I'm so happy that salvation is by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. I'm so glad that salvation has nothing to do with you, everything to do with what Jesus did on that cross. And that you have received Him as your Savior. But what's the next step? Here's what's holding some of you back. you got to Surrender you got to surrender your life to Him. you got to stop fighting God. Listen, one day soon, we're going to stand before Him, eyeball to eyeball. We're going to be at the judgment seat of Christ. And for some of you, because you have not surrendered your body, or your mind, or your will, it's going to be one hand stubble, and it's all going to be burned up. And you're going to be crying at the judgment seat of Christ. Why? Because you chose to live for yourself, even after everything Jesus did. Listen, this is your reasonable service. This is the only logical thing to do. This is the only sensible thing to do. And if you, as a Christian, decide, I'm not going to surrender, that is illogical. That doesn't make any sense at all. Stop fighting God Get out of your seat. Come forward. Surrender your life to Jesus Christ today. Stop fighting God. Church family, come on. Let's give it up for these people. Today's the day of surrender. Today's the day for surrender. I want more men. Hey, guys. 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 Some of the guys in this church, you've got to stop letting your wife leave the home. What are you doing letting your wife lead the home? What are you doing sitting in a church pew twice a month and letting other people lead this church? We need some more guys to man up and surrender your mind, your body, and your will to Jesus Christ and be, you will know, so bless your wife if you'll be the man of God that God's called you to be. Some guys need to get up and come forward today. Today's the day. And I do this I'm so passionate about this because I'm passionate and zealous for the glory of Jesus Christ, number one, but because also I love you. And I've seen so many Christians in my long history of being a pastor or being a lay worker, of born-again Christians living for themselves, getting hit by the storms of life, walking away from God, disillusioned, disheartened, disgruntled. So today's the day of surrender. And so here's what we're gonna do. If there's anybody in this group that's up here or in the aisles, and hey, we're all family, okay? So we're not trying to hide anything. And so if there's anybody in this group and you're not sure that you've received Jesus by simple faith as your savior, believing he died for your sins, can you just raise your hand if you're in that group and you, you're not sure if you've done that? Is there anybody like that at all? It's gonna... Really be careful here, because what I'm doing is I'm separating justification from sanctification here. Getting saved from your next step. Okay, so so all of us have received Christ as our Savior. And so here's your next step, Romans 12, 1 and 2. It's surrender. And so I'm gonna ask, can you guys um, kind of spread out, because there's people down the aisle? Can you guys the, over here go that way, and you guys over go this way? Everybody come to the altar. And if you're physically able... Only if you're physically able, I'm gonna ask you to kneel down because Jesus is gonna be on the throne of your heart and that is definitely the right posture before King Jesus, the Lord Jesus Christ. Only if you're physically able, please don't if you, um, if you, if you, if you can't, that's fine. God knows your heart. And so I'm gonna lead you in a prayer of surrender. Some of you are already praying, praise the Lord for that. And as I say almost every week, I'm not gonna ask you to repeat a prayer after me like it's a poem or something. In fact, if, if you don't wanna repeat, just start praying right now and, ask, and surrender yourself to the Lord. But if you need help in praying, I'll, I'll lead you, but it's gotta be your heart to Christ's heart, you talking to the Lord. And so just say something like this. Jesus, I'm sorry. Sorry for so many times living for myself. Thank you for bringing me to this place this morning, place of complete surrender. Just doing what your word says. So right now I surrender my body. If I've been involved in any ongoing willful sinful practices I'm repenting right now Lord please forgive me I surrender my body Lord I surrender my mind to you I'm making a commitment to get in your word every day meditate day and night Lord help me to keep that daily appointment with you transform me as I renew my mind in your word. And Father, I surrender my will. Not my will from now on, but your will. Your will be done. So give me ears to hear, Holy Spirit, your voice, that inner voice in my heart. And when you say, this is the way, walk in it. Help me to do exactly that whether I want to or not. So I give myself to you. In response to your amazing love, I love you. Amen. One of the greatest gifts God can give his children is the assurance of their salvation. If you're not sure where you stand with God, we want to help. Visit our website at www.calvarypsl.com. Click on Home, then Knowing Christ.